Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to take a closer look at some semiconductor acquisitions and IPOs. Um, to help me discuss this topic is Billy. Good afternoon, Billy. How's it going? Good afternoon. Going okay, Jose. Hanging in there. So, Billy, on today's episode, what I wanted to do, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one. Um, in, in the past week, we've heard a lot about different acquisitions. Unfortunately, some got terminated. Some are moving in the right direction. And we also heard some news of uh, IPO filing. Uh, so I just want to kind of do more of a quick overview of what's happening here in the semiconductor market. Um, Billy, the first one I want to take a closer look at is Intel. They unfortunately announced the termination of their tower semiconductor acquisition. Uh, for those that are not familiar, Intel, I believe in March or April of 2022, so a little bit over a year ago, announced that they were going to acquire tower semiconductor for roughly $5.4 billion. And we all know that Intel is really kind of pushing this manufacturing endeavors. Uh, so if they were to acquire this semiconductor uh, company, Tower Semiconductor, uh, they were going to gain, I think, about six to seven manufacturing plants all over the world. They have two in Japan, they have two in Europe, and they also have two in the United States. Uh, so they were going to gain, obviously, some manufacturing power. The other things that uh, investors were kind of excited is they were going to gain talent, right? The manufacturing um, the manufacturing. Uh, business is a little bit different compared to maybe some of the other uh, businesses that they own and also customer relations, right? So in uh, tower obviously provides uh, other fabulous semiconductor companies. So um, by acquiring this com uh, by acquiring tower semiconductor, Intel could have used it as a backdoor um, or, or, or just a way to get their uh, to get a step in the door for acquiring other customers in their manufacturing push. So unfortunately, Billy, uh, it does seem like China did not approve the uh, did not give the approval. Um, and that has caused Intel to terminate this agreement or, or this acquisition with the termination. They have to pay roughly three hundred and fifty three million dollars to Tower uh, because of the termination fee that was kind of disclosed previously. Uh, there are a few investors, Billy, that are happy about this. There's other investors that are might be a little bit upset about this. Uh, I'm gonna, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but first, I just want to share. I actually think this was. Um, I don't think this is a bad move for. I'm not. A, I don't think this was completely bad for Intel. And let me explain my reasonings. If we take a closer look, Billy, at these manufacturing plants, all these manufacturing plants are are meant for kind of the advanced, uh, advanced semi, not advanced, uh, the mature semiconductors. I do believe their smallest plant can only make. Uh, I think it was 65 nanometer, and I believe it's in Japan. Um, no, 45 nanometer. So in Japan, their smallest manufacturing capability abilities was 45 nanometer most of them were uh, point micro micro uh, micrometers which are roughly in the hundreds of nanometers uh, so it does seem like most of these manufacturing plants were for mature nodes and right now Intel I believe is really trying to focus on becoming a technological leader and they mentioned they want to kind of really face off with companies like ASML and like Samsung on becoming like the top leader in advanced manufacturing uh, so while I do believe there were some assets that Intel could have gotten from this tower semiconductor, like I mentioned, the talent, the customers, and obviously manufacturing improvements in mature nodes, I don't think this kind of uh, acquisition really helped them 
in their advanced technology uh, roadmap that they're kind of really pushing for. So I, I, I think obviously it's not necessarily the best thing for Intel to terminate this acquisition, but I don't think it's going to be a complete hurdle for their kind of manufacturing endeavors that they're kind of pursuing right now, especially because they're pushing that advanced mature nodes at the uh, advanced nodes at the moment. Uh, so Billy, any thoughts on, on Intel kind of uh, terminating this acquisition, maybe any thoughts on China being the reason for the pushback or um, any thoughts on them kind of losing out on, on the mature nodes um, that the that this company would have brought to them. Discover the world of semiconductors without getting lost in the technical jargon. My new membership offers a perfect balance for investors looking to understand this exciting market. Using my electrical engineering knowledge and experience, I will release weekly exclusive videos ranging from quick 5-minute 101s to in-depth analysis, covering not just popular chip stocks, but aiming to explore every public semiconductor. Plus, join a private community of like-minded investors. Finally, I want to thank The Motley Fool for sponsoring this video. And check out fool.com slash Jose for the 10 best stocks to buy now. With that link, you get a promotional offer for the subscription service. Now, let's continue with today's episode. Yeah, well, I'm not a semiconductor manufacturing engineer, so I'm not sure if Intel needed towers say ip for specialty nodes that they could expand for revenue synergies the acquisition looked pretty expensive to me um i think it was like 54 dollars a share and mm -hmm. uh towers now down at like 30 and they trade around i guess 14 or 15 times earnings and uh i think they had they're still having even though they make specialty nodes which includes like power and image sensors. I think they did have year over year declines because they still have exposure to some of those consumer electronics as well. So the acquisition looked kind of expensive. Um, so Intel's getting out of it. They do have to pay $300 million or so, which is the breakup fee, um, which is not great, especially if you're Intel and you're still losing money. Uh, <laughs> well, you try to build out this, uh, fab ecosystem so the question is are they going to lose a lot of say manufacturing expertise that they were going to gain from tower um i'm not really sure uh seems like they have a lot of expertise on their own maybe for leading edge trailing edge specialty maybe they would like to get into um at some point they'll have to go about it in a different way i guess uh so i guess that's sort of unfortunate but like you said it might not be all bad because uh, Intel was paying a fairly hefty price, I think, for Tower. And, uh, you know, China, you know, when they need to approve a deal, when they want to block it, they do what they always do, which is they, they don't say they're against the deal. They just don't do anything and let the companies wait in limbo until the clock runs out. So they waste even more time. So it makes me a little bit nervous for Broadcom VMware which I do think will be beneficial for Broadcom. So I'm a little worried that's not going to go through now. Um, I saw today the U.S. just took some Chinese companies off the entity list. So maybe that's like a gesture of goodwill that will maybe allow that Broadcom VMware to happen. But, uh, you know, this Intel uh, Tower Semiconductor thing, 
I'm not sure if it changes your thesis. Well, it certainly changes your thesis on Tower if you're invested in Tower and we're hoping to get $54 a share. Um, not sure that's going to be in the cards for a long time. Intel, I don't think it changes that much. Um, I guess if I had to pick positive or negative, maybe mild negative. But again, like you said, not not the worst thing in the world for Intel. Definitely, Billy. And, and you kind of brought up another acquisition that I actually wanted to talk about, um, the Broadcom and VMware acquisition. We actually got some updates today. Um, for those that are not familiar, about a year ago on May 26th of 2022, um, Broadcom was set to acquire VMware for approximately $61 billion in cash and in stock. Um, they didn't really give an uh, actual date or, or time of when they would give, when this uh, acquisition would be complete. They only mentioned that it would be completed in the fiscal year of 2023. So we didn't know if quarter four, quarter three, uh, they just gave pretty much a full year. Uh, well, today, Billy, or actually yesterday, uh, yesterday we did hear from Broadcom that um, they did get some, I, I do believe they got an approval from the United Kingdom's um, Competition and Markets Authority on August 21st, and that they are affirming the expectation that the acquisition of VMware will close on October 30th of 2023. Uh, they do mention that they already have kind of all the big, uh, most of the big players that they need to go through, European Union, Australia, Brazil, Canada, Israel, South Africa, and Taiwan. They do mention that the United States has kind of uh, their pre-merger waiting period has expired. And because it has expired that time lapse, then it means the U.S. doesn't have anything bad to say about it. So it, in, in theory, the U.S. has also approved it already. Um, it does seem like the only big player now they're waiting for, Billy, is China. Um, I, I, I do think it's pretty interesting, Billy, that just... Just a few days ago, we heard that Intel was kind of closing out uh, or terminating their acquisitions because they didn't get that final approval from China. But it does seem like Broadcom might be saying, hey, look, you, you, there might be some investors that might be worried that might think that China might kind of push us aside as well. Uh, so I think this was a, a, a PR move to kind of showcase that, hey, they're still confident that this acquisition will go through. Um, so, so, Billy, do you think they might have kind of released this information to kind of ease some investors? Like you mentioned earlier yourself, one of the, uh, you do think that China might actually be a big impact on this acquisition not be going through. Uh, but just yesterday, they did mention that they are uh, expecting this to close by October 30th. So within um, two months or so. Yeah, well, of course, they're going to say that. They wouldn't say that they don't expect it to go through. And they'll probably wait. They'll probably give it you know, that full time until they say it's not going through. Um, companies always say they expect acquisitions to go through um, until they don't. So I don't know. I'm skeptical. Uh, Broadcom is very good at acquisitions in general. They pretty much built the company on large chip acquisitions. So if anybody can get it through the regulatory process, Broadcom can. Uh, the question is, if China approves it, um, I don't know. It's it's really hard to say what China's going to do at this point. Um, I I I I wouldn't be able to bet one way or the other on this, truthfully. 
Yeah, definitely, Billy. I'm not a Broadcom shareholder. I'm neither a VMware shareholder, but I I wouldn't mind if the acquisition doesn't go through, and I might take a closer look at VMware if it does take a, a kind of a price dip if if it doesn't go through. So VMware is going to be on my watch list as they are becoming a pretty strong kind of cloud infrastructure uh, player. Um, Billy, the final topic I wanted to take a closer look at is ARM. They just released their F1 filing. Um, because it is, a, we were kind of just talking about this. Normally, if you are a US-based company, you release your S1 filing. Uh, because ARM is an international company, you're releasing your F1 filing. The company hasn't shared uh, valuation at the moment of what, how, what their IPO price will be. Um, but they did showcase some important information that, that uh, I think investors should know about. Um, taking a closer look at numbers first, right off the bat, we can see that this is a profitable business. Here in 2023, they made roughly 2.7 uh, billion dollars out of that they made roughly 524 uh, million in net income so uh, i believe that's closer to a 20 percent uh net income margins yeah give or take maybe plus or one plus one or two percentage there uh they are seeing a bit of a weakness it is down a bit from last year in, in 2022 they did mention billy that one of the biggest impacts is obviously the mobile market um arm-based cpus or arm-based processors are pretty much 99 percent of the mobile ch uh, of the mobile markets like all all, all Mobile 99% of mobile phones use an ARM based processor. Uh, so obviously, they are seeing that weakness there. On the bright side, though, Billy, they did mention that they are seeing strength on kind of processors being used for high performance computing. Uh, we know Amazon has their Amazon, um, I forget what CPU, what's their CPU called, but I know it's an ARM based. Uh, we also know NVIDIA is coming out with their Grace Hopper, which is also an ARM base. Uh, so we're seeing a little bit more traction on ARM based CPUs as well. Uh, so they're saying that's kind of helping offset um, their overall kind of decline um, on a year over year basis. Uh, just another quick look. I just wanted to take a closer look at their cash, uh, at their balance sheet. Uh, we can see cash and cash equivalents roughly 2.2 billion dollars um, for the fiscal quarter ended on June 30th. Um, they do have total liabilities of roughly 2.4. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was there, but I really wasn't able to find like short term liabilities versus long term liabilities. But regardless, we do see that this company has a nice amount of cash uh, and pretty much almost, almost, almost a one to one ratio with that total liabilities on just quick cash available to them. So pretty interesting there. Um, the only other slide I had, Billy, um, is just them breaking down their revenue. Uh, like most of us kind of figured, most of their revenue comes from external customers and those external external customers kind of doing licensing fees. So out of the 675 um, million that they did in the most recent quarter, um, most uh, about 535 came from revenue from external customers and most of them being either some form of license or some form of royalty revenue. Um, uh, one positive for ARM IPO, they do mention that uh, they estimate their total addressable market at the end of 2022 to be roughly 202 billion. And they expect this to kind of grow at a 6.8 compounded annual growth rate um, for the, uh, until 2025 and eventually reach roughly $247 billion. Uh, so this was just a very, very quick, quick overview of ARM IPO, Billy, um, based on kind of acquisition and IPO topics. Any thoughts right now on, our, on ARM IPO? And we'll definitely probably take a closer look. Definitely probably. We'll probably take a closer look um, at a more in-depth on their IPO later on uh, in this channel. 